Second, welcome back to the Island College Basketball Podcast. Got Matt Norlander with me, and what a wild past 24 hours. The week leading up to Christmas is typically uh, slow uh, as it relates to college basketball. Not this week. Uh, last night, of course, Louisville beat Kentucky in a fabulous game played at the Yum Center. We're going to get to that. Syracuse. Lost by 33 points at home to St. John's. We're going to get to that. UNC has received another notice of allegations. We will get to that. Kansas has lost a a very important piece to its basketball team. We were going to get to that. But the big story, of course, is Grayson Allen. Tripped another player uh, last night. That's the third time in the past 25 games that Duke has played. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski announced a suspension indefinitely uh, this morning. And it is the biggest story in sports, I believe, which is sort of wild because we're in the middle of football season. Uh, obviously, the NBA is going on. College basketball is not the type of thing that you know leads Sports Center, uh, you know, in in the week before Christmas, in the week of Christmas. But uh, college basketball is leading Sports Center today, and that's because of Grayson Allen. What do you make of this uh, interesting story? Uh, I mean. So many things perish. I'm already worn out by it uh, to a certain extent, um, but it is just undeniable that the interest and hatred for Grayson Allen and Shashevsky and Duke—I mean, it is unreal. Kentucky is the only thing that can possibly compare, and even that, I don't think. For as much for as much as people love to hate Calipari and Kentucky, Duke is even uh, on another level here. Um, Everyone keeps referencing the third time. It is the third time. I've had people mention to me that he's actually had four incidents. Um, I cannot picture in my head the fourth incident, but they're referencing a, uh, where he like swept his leg against another team even last year. So trust me, the, <laughs> the people that are out to get Grayson Allen are all too aware of all this. Um, let me run down my thoughts. On Grayson, it's freaking weird. It is it, – it's got to be subconscious – and at the same time, you see what he did last night, and it's like he knows he's doing it as he's doing it, and he can't help himself. It's really bizarre. And then his reaction on the bench afterward I thought was also plenty telling because I thought it was him emoting and basically unleashing in a way where if anyone's ever been on a team, uh, you might have guys like that react that way in a locker room going into halftime or after a game if they're really pissed at themselves or their teammates or whatever you almost never see that kind of stuff happen live occasionally you'll you will obviously get a, a player blow up on an nfl sideline or college football sideline stuff like that um, but when we see those true moments of pure unfiltered just primal frustration it's captivating and i thought it was a window into grayson realizing in that moment what he did and knowing that it was going to be a huge thing and obviously a huge stain on his character. Um, You wrote about how you can criticize Grayson and also have some empathy for him. I would agree with that for the most part because I have talked to Grayson off the floor. Uh, He is, you know, smart kid, good interview, not a jerk. But when he steps on the floor, he obviously has this inclination to do this and it has made him as hated a Duke player, I think, now as anyone ever. And I, do, I don't say that lightly because I know Wojciechowski, who's now the coach at Marquette, obviously 
Drew Iyer in his day for just slapping the floor. J.J. Redick was naturally arrogant and cocky, almost to an endearing uh, level when he played with Duke. Leitner obviously is seen as the king of all the most hateable Dukies ever because he was damn good, knew it, let you know it, and never shied away from it. Allen has this weird combination of really good talent but awkward body behavior. And yes, I mean, Reese Davis said he looks like a petulant toddler sometimes when he's out there. I think there is some validity to that. I do want to speak to Mike Krzyzewski real quick, Parrish, because I wrote a column that was critical of Krzyzewski. I stand by that column because I watched his postgame press conference on ESPN News. I watched the entirety of it, what he said. There were a couple of specific quotes that were obviously highlighted because Krzyzewski had an arrogance to him that I thought was unnecessary. And you touched on it in another one of your pieces on the site today that hit it right on the money. Listen, I would not have faulted Krzyzewski one bit if he came to the dais and said, listen, this is obviously another incident. We're going to deal with Grayson. I talked to him already. We're going to talk to him again, you know, on the trip back home to Durham tonight. We will have some sort of disciplinary action. What that is, I don't know yet, but give me time to review the tape talk with Grayson, we will be definitive, and you will hear from us within 24 hours. I'm telling you, if Krzyzewski does that, he does not receive hardly any criticism. But instead, he gets up there, he tells the media, essentially, you're not going to tell me how I'm going to discipline my player. I know him better than you. I'm not going to act based on the pressure from anyone. And it's just not a good look, okay? It is the type of patronizing that people have come to embrace when they hate Krzyzewski. And Krzyzewski's obviously just an all-time coach, fantastic in a lot of ways, but he can have moments like this. And he had an issue with this with Oregon in the NCAA tournament back in March, GP. Remember when we talked about that? Remember when he he denied saying the things he said to Dylan Brooks and then he got caught on video, had to backtrack (laughs) and apologize? It was an awful look. And so now you've had a couple of situations within this year where Krzyzewski's got egg on his face. And I don't want to hear from Duke fans that are saying – you idiot, you rushed to judgment, you wrote that column, you couldn't even give him 14 hours of sleep over and punish Grayson. No, actually, I think what happened was Krzyzewski was very, made very aware of how his comments came off, was made very aware of the criticism that was circling around him, his program, and his star player, and rightfully so, tried to beat the morning news, put out a uh, quote on Grayson's suspension before 9 Eastern to get ahead of it, which was the right thing to do, but by the way, there was no reason he could not have done that last night, okay? So those are kind of, you know, 17 thoughts I have on the thing. Um, I am already getting a little exhausted by it, but it's it's undeniable, Parrish, like how people feast on this stuff. Like they just love to attack Duke for anything. They love to hate Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen's not a bad human being, and he's probably going to come back and be better for this. And Duke, by the way, is going to be damn good with or without him overall. What, what what's your take on it? Because obviously this is this has dominated our lives for the past you know fourteen sixteen hours. Well, uh, a lot of thoughts um, on the on the point you made about how Kay handled the press conference last night. I, it seems pretty clear he mishandled that. I don't know that he'll ever admit it or acknowledge it, but he, he mishandled that. And and like I wrote, you know, in a column over at CBSSports.com, there there is, um, you know, I'm not a public relations specialist, but if I were advising him, I would have said, hey, walk in. There. Because here's my understanding: is that when he sat down at that table. He didn't have a grasp for exactly what had happened and how big of a story this was. Like, you got to understand, you and I and people like us were sitting around watching that clip on a loop, whether it's on television or Twitter. He's coaching a basketball game, all right? So he didn't see it. I don't want to say he didn't see it, but it, it had not resonated with him the way it had, it, 
he didn't have a proper understanding of, of the conversation that was going on outside of that basketball arena or really outside of his own bench. So, um, so that's the explanation for, you know, like perhaps why he didn't have anything definitive to say, but he should have just said that. Like I wrote, you just sit down and wait for the first person to ask a question about Grayson because you know it's coming. And you say, obviously, this is another incident. Uh, obviously, this is a big story, and it's going to be a big story, and we recognize that. But here's the truth. I didn't see it when it happened. I haven't seen video of it yet, and I haven't had a real chance to sit down and talk with Grayson. So uh, let me go meet with him. Let me look at what happened. And and I'll get back to you, you know, very very soon. You know, we'll, we'll you know within 24 hours. Um, and I appreciate you understanding because I don't want to go too in depth or make any grand announcements without having a, a good grasp for exactly what happened, why it happened, and and talking to my player. And I think, what I don't, I won't speak for you. You would have understood that, right? Without a doubt. Now, people still would have found some room to criticize Krzyzewski, but that would have been very shallow criticism. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody could reasonably have been critical of him if he'd have handled it that way. Just sort of say, hey, listen, I, I know this is a big deal, and, and we will address it, but I need to figure out exactly what happened. I need to see it. You guys have all seen it. I haven't seen it yet. I've been coaching a basketball game, um, and, and, and we'll, we'll talk about this tomorrow. Uh, it, it probably wouldn't have satisfied everybody, but it would have been mostly okay. Um. In terms of like what's actually happening with Grayson, it is bizarre because, you know, if you do Twitter searches or any sort of Google searches, it is consistently referred to um, as he's out there intentionally tripping people. And, and I know what people mean by that. Like, it's not like he stumbles and, and, and collides with another basketball player and that person tumbles. He like actually like he sticks his leg out and trips somebody as if, you know, the way the way you would do if you were actually trying to trip somebody. But I don't think he's intentionally tripping people in the sense that I don't think there's a thought going through his head that goes, okay, I'm about to trip this guy. Like, I don't think that is happening. Then what, be, Parrish, then what is it? Because no one else does it. Like, what is it then? It is. No one, like, even, like, Draymond Green is the easy comparison. I made it because Draymond Green, like Grayson Allen, is one of the most valuable, talented players in the sport who seemingly can't help what he's doing with his legs and is putting other players in harm's way. Like, there's no one else in college basketball or even pro basketball no. who happens to be just blatantly tripping people. So if he's not doing it intentionally, how can we possibly account for these actions? No, that's, I think that's at the crux of the issue. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's, a, it's an inappropriate reaction to certain circumstances. Like, you know, sometimes when I get mad, I bang my hand. You know, like I'll, you know, I'll do one of those, right? Like, it's just, I don't, I'm not trying to break my hand on my desk, but sometimes when I'm like frustrated, I'll just, I'll bang, I'll bang on the desk. Why do I do that? I'm not thinking I'm about to bang my hand on the, on, on the dresser or the, the, my desk. It just, it's just something that I do. Not often. I don't want to paint a picture of me just being a maniac banging on desk all the time, but like, I, I don't, it, it's not something I think about. It's just something that I, I, I will do. I, I, I think that what Grayson is doing is an extension of that. He quite clearly cannot control his emotions in certain situations because they're all, you know, there's a common thread like, to all of them. Things aren't going well for him when these things happen. You know, he's either not shooting well, like last night he wasn't shooting well. Uh, he, you know, he's frustrated by the physicality of another player. Like, if you go back and look at all three incidents, they're all like, they all happen in moments where he could reasonably be frustrated as a basketball player. And the same way I might bang my hand on a desk, I think the way he reacts, 
for, now, now why he reacts this way, I have no idea. I'm, I'm not a psychologist. I, I can't even pretend to, to know why. But it is, but his reaction is to like stick his leg out and trip somebody. And I don't know where it started. I don't know how you fix it. But I don't believe he's just out there, like cheap shotting people, like you might see in a basketball game. Or I, I understand he is definitely actually sticking his leg out and tripping people. I don't think he's thinking about tripping anybody. I think it's just something that happens. It's just something he does. But it is also something that has to stop. And you know, sort of one of the points I made in the in the column is, I don't even know how you go about fixing this, or how we how how do you know, or, or more accurately, how do you know when it's fixed? Like, how does somebody sit down and say, okay, we got it, this is handled, he'll never do it again? Because if if it is something that he just does, and it's it's so tied to his instincts, you know how how could you ever be sure he won't do it again? It's not unlike Suarez biting. You know, why, 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 why would you, yes, I've seen that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you, why would you bite another soccer player? I don't know. Cause he like gets frustrated and that's, that's the way he reacts. Grayson Allen's tripping is, is Suarez is biting. Um, and, but it's gotta be. And, and I think the meltdown on the bench was not him worried about a suspension. He just knew, Oh my God, I can't believe I just did something that the one thing that I could not do because this, like, this is the one thing that I cannot do. He'd been better off like spitting on a player than actually tripping another player because now he's the tripper forever. And like he could go on, win another championship ring this year, turn pro, be a first round draft pick, have a nice NBA career. You mentioned Grayson Allen. 10 years from now, somebody's going to make a tripping joke. This is part of his story now. It's part of his legacy. And that's why I, I, I think it's possible to, to blame him completely because this is on him. This is self-inflicted. But also feel badly for him because I don't think he set out to try to be the villain of college basketball. I don't think he tried to trip and hurt another player last night. This is just something he does for whatever reason. It's something that happens for whatever reason. And um, and I, I bet you the past 24 hours haven't been fun for him at all. Did you read Greg Doyle's column by chance yet? I haven't favored it. I haven't seen it yet, but well, I saw his teeth. Yeah, well, Greg sort of, you know, he makes the point and I, you know, I've known Greg for a long time and we're close. And, and so I, I, I know with a, about a lot of the things he struggled with, but he tells a story that he had never told me before. And like, like he said, he were like 2011. He was so frustrated that he found himself in his backyard, banging his head against a tree until it like started bleeding. And like, you know, you, you snap out of it and you go, what in the world am I doing? Like, I need help. If, if this is the way I react, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just like banging my head against the tree. Um, and you, 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 how did that happen? Like he compared um, what Grayson Allen's going through to what he went through. Like, you know, you do these things and you immediately regret them. You have no idea why you did them. And the only difference is that, you know, what happened to Greg happened privately in his backyard. What happened to Grayson happened on national television on the biggest of stages that college basketball provides. And that's any stage that Duke is on. And so I think you can be, uh, you, you can point at Grayson and say that you did this to yourself. You deserve the suspension that you're getting. And he does. Um, but also, like, feel badly for him because he's a young person who, by all accounts, is, is not a bad guy. He's not a trouble within that program or problem within that program. Um, but he's, like, he's been he's, – he's certainly being painted a, a certain way now. And, again, he did it to himself. But uh, I, I think you can feel badly for him while also blaming him. He is going to be facing a steep incline from here on out. 
the rest of his college career. Um, you can certainly make the argument that NBA general managers that see this kind of stuff that are considering drafting Grayson Allen have to take this sort of on-court behavior into account, and they will. Um, this will obviously impact just in terms of when he's drafted, where he's drafted. These things have actual real-life consequences for Grayson, and he will have to deal with them at that level. I, the, I, I wish it was just out of college basketball entirely, but you know we can be transparent here. This kind of stuff gets more people talking about college basketball and paying attention to Grayson Allen and Duke, and now they're even more watchable whenever he comes back because people are just simply going to be like, what's Grayson Allen going to do next? By the way, Duke is freaking loaded and really fun to watch and just wait till Harry Giles really gets his legs under him uh, because Kennard's been a top five player for player of the year. Emil Jefferson's been awesome. Jason Tatum's going to get even better. And yet Grayson Allen is now overshadowing all of that. We'll be interested to see what uh, what goes with that. GP, we can wrap up with this. He is indefinitely suspended. He won't play against Virginia Tech. That's Duke's first game on New Year's Eve, I think, or December 30th, one of the two games, one of the two dates there. What do you think is appropriate for suspension, and what's your prediction on how long he will be out? I don't think they know. I mean, I, I think really you got to sit down, and I, 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 I'm very hesitant to even talk about this in these terms because – you are sort of being, an, you know, a, a diagnosing from a distance. Sure. But like, I mean, do you have to sit down with a therapist of some kind? You know, to try like, what? Okay, why? We, like, once we can all agree, and I think we can all agree, he's not actually going into games and saying, you know what, I can't wait to trip some dude tonight. Like, right? I, I, I don't believe that. So, I, I mean, I, maybe somebody disagrees. I don't believe he's act, actively trying to trip people. Um, I think it's just something that happens. And if that's the case, do you have to sit down with a therapist and try to figure out, okay, what, where, what triggers this? And whatever the thing that triggers it, once we can identify it, then we got to figure out how to make it trigger something else, you know, because you can't do this anymore. Um, you know, I, I don't know. But, like, I think that's probably a reasonable place to start. And so then it comes down to how much of this is a punishment uh, as opposed to what amounts to a – a, a rehab session like you, uh, you know what's the punishment for tripping a player i don't know like I, a game i don't care like it doesn't matter to me it's not like he pulled a knife on anybody but but they need to fix him he needs to fix himself and that might take longer than a game so i don't think they know what the punishment's going to be although it is clearly going to be at least one game it would be you would just set yourself up for ridicule to bring him back for virginia tech so he's going to, to miss at least one game. And then I think you move further away from trying to punish him by five games or three games or whatever and just trying to figure out how to fix him. And if that takes one game or forget it in in, in, in terms of games, like if, it, if that takes a week, fine. If it takes two weeks, great. If it takes two months, then it takes two months. Like sort of what I wrote in the column is – you know, whatever it takes is, is what it takes. And I don't have any idea what it takes. And I don't even have any idea how you know when he's fixed. Like this ain't like with, uh, you know, you, you sprain an ankle and when you get better, you can return. Like how do you know when this issue is resolved? I really don't know. I think you do as, as good a work on it as you can to try to get him to a place where you feel comfortable. And then you just keep your fingers crossed. Yeah, uh, my expectation is he will sit three games. I think he'll be back by the fourth game. And not that's the definitive number, but I just think he'll be out what will equivalent to about two weeks. 
and then he'll be back on the floor. Meantime, last night, there was a, uh, a really good college basketball game, Kentucky-Louisville at the Yum Center. Kentucky, of course, is coming off that amazing win in Vegas against North Carolina, in which Malik Monk got 47 points. He did not do anything close to that uh, against Louisville. He got 16 points on 17 shots, missed his first eight three-pointers, and uh, Kentucky lost uh, its first true road game of the season. Awesome win for Louisville. Um not a bad loss. It doesn't make me think anything differently of Kentucky, but it did highlight uh, what has been the issue for this team and seemingly will continue to be an issue for this team is they do not shoot the ball well from the perimeter. Uh, last night, um, I think they shot around 22% from three on the season. They're shooting around 32% from three. I went and looked it up. Uh, we've had the three-point line in college basketball like 30 years. There's only been two national champions shot at worst from three-point range. Uh than Kentucky is right now. It's Kansas in 1988 and UConn in 2011. Uh, so what that suggests is, um, yeah, it's possible to shoot this poorly from three-point range and win a national championship, but it is rare. It almost never happens. And at Kentucky, like that's the goal to win a national championship. They're not uh, obviously they're trying to get to another Final Four, but that's not the that's not the end goal. The goal is to win a national championship. And when you shoot the ball this way from the perimeter, um, history says that you're unlikely to do that. Yeah, see, Malik Monk came back down to earth. He had a tremendous game. Louisville was the number one, is the number one defensive rated team in the country. Monk has had plenty of games and was, what, one of nine from three-point range last night. That was an important takeaway from that game because you can't bank on Monk be tremendous game in game out. Our buddy Jeff Borzello had a tweet. I don't have it in front of me, but he had mentioned last night that on the EYBL circuit when Monk played summer ball, every time he had a really good game, the next game was a precipitous drop. So he's not a guy that tends to have his stuff carry over from game to game. That's something Kentucky fans should keep in mind. Overall, it was a great game. It sucks that Grayson totally took over the attention from it, and it's kind of amazing that he did because that was honestly the game of the week. A huge win for Louisville. Um, Kentucky, we've talked about their shooting issues right now you know Kentucky's best win is Carolina the second best win is Michigan State and Michigan State's on a tournament team right now so Kentucky's got to figure some things out Calipari said that but I'm more interested in Louisville what it's been able to do because I think Kentucky will be fine like I think it's going to run the SEC this win will look even better for the Cardinals the kind of win that they could use to really uh, boost morale make a case to be right there at the top of the ACC I think now we have evidence of that GP where it's going to and, he, you know, maybe Louisville could have had some doubters because of what it did or did not have on offense, but got great play out of Snyder. Then some big time because Donovan Mitchell seems like he can still ascend and be a, a big time player overall. Some problems on the interior, maybe a little bit, yeah, but defensively, I do like what Louisville has. I think they can actually adapt to a few different kinds of schemes. So that's a big time win. And I tweeted out the video, I had to share it because did you see, um, did you see what? Patino did at the end of the game, Parrish. He let out this huge exhale, and that's obviously because the Cardinals lost eight of them against Kentucky coming in. Yeah, no, I I noticed that as well on his way to the handshake line. And, uh, um, yeah, really nice win for Louisville. And, and, you know, they they obviously have one loss on their resume. It is a uh, single-possession loss to Baylor uh, at the battle for Atlantis. They were up 22 points in that game. 
And so it was just a complete collapse. Like they were up 20, uh, 22 points uh, with, I think, 24 minutes to play and then just fell apart. And so, like, you could play that game 100 more times and put it at 22 points with 24 minutes to play. And Baylor, I don't think, would ever come back and win that one again. So my point is uh, Louisville's just some weird, crazy collapse from being undefeated. They'd be getting first place votes in the in the AP poll uh, right now. So Rick's got a, a really good team. But I think more than anything – what we saw last night is uh, exactly what we expected to see, a tight game between two legitimate national title contenders. I'd put Kentucky a little higher on that list of uh, possible national title contenders than Louisville, um, but Louisville, uh, I, I think, probably has the better resume right now. They've got to win over Kentucky. They've got to win over Purdue. They've got to win over Wichita State, which might not be as good as it looked at the time, but still, you know, it's a, it's a win over a Wichita State team that is probably going to end up in the NCAA tournament. So uh, I, I walk out of that um, not really thinking any differently of Kentucky. It's just a, a road loss in the final minute. Uh, but walk out of that thinking, uh, you know what, Louisville is, is probably on that list of teams that, yes, uh, can compete uh, for an ACC championship, but also possibly uh, a national championship. They need to get a little better offensively, probably. They could, you know, shoot a little better themselves, but – uh, defensively, they are uh, uh, top-notch. Meantime, Syracuse lost to St. John's at the Carrier Dome by 33 points. What in the world? Like, that, like Syracuse is a 14-point favorite. They lose by 33. I, I don't think there's a bigger discrepancy this season between point spread and final score than what we saw between Syracuse and St. John's. I didn't see a minute of that game because uh, I was dealing with Kentucky-Louisville, but, like, do you have a grasp for what happened to Syracuse last night and in general? Uh, basically, every time they've played even a decent team this year, they've lost. I can make no sense of this, GP. It's really weird. Syracuse has a decent roster, hasn't looked good. This is, an, this is a result that totally zipped under the radar, relatively speaking. I mean, we are talking about it, and it is worth talking about because Syracuse was projected to be a top five ACC team. Jim Beheim said in the preseason that this was one of the most talented rosters he had had basically in the past 15 to 20 years. They don't look like it. They lost at home to Georgetown. They got beaten in a hideous game against uh, UConn at Madison Square Garden a couple weeks back. Now you take on a loss to St. John's. That's bad. Very problematic. Cuse is in a situation where it's going to be fighting to get into the NIT at this point. Now, it did have struggles last year. Rally made the tournament and then, you know, rolled to the Final Four. But I'm I'm not inclined to believe that this is going to be a team that can somehow establish itself as a top half of the ACC team. I'm, I'm pretty much selling uh, my stock on Cuse at this point. Can you think of any other scenario this year where somebody who was favored by 14 points ended up losing by 33? No, and uh, the... Um, the uh, team rankings uh, Twitter account, which does a whole bunch of stat stuff, said that it was actually the greatest discrepancy. So the only other game this year that I thought was this bonkers in terms of the line and then what it ended up being. St. Mary's home loss. No. Well, no, it was Remember, Oklahoma got freaking run in the final four. Like, oh, yeah, I don't yeah. know what the line was on that, but that was a huge discrepancy from what Villanova did to the Sooners and what happened. St. Mary's was definitely a weird one. But the only bigger, according to uh, team rankings, in the past like 13 years, the only bigger uh, difference between an underdog and the differential in the spread by victory was when I have no memory of this game, and neither will you. But LaSalle was apparently a huge, huge underdog to I can't even remember Xavier, I think it was back in like 02 or something like that, and that was a bigger swing. 
But no, it was really rare, and St. John's hasn't been good. Um, this is a good win for the program, don't get me wrong, but utterly shocking and stunning, and I'd like to thank Jim Beheim for not having a viral moment at the podium because that would have... That would have just added to the chaos of our lives over the past 16 hours. The game I was referencing uh, from earlier this season, uh, December 8th, St. Mary's was, I believe, a 15-point favorite at home over UT Arlington, and they ended up losing by 14. And so that was a pretty good discrepancy as well between point spread and final score. I bet you that might be the second biggest this year, or at least it's on the list somewhere. Uh, but, like, uh, what an unusual and insane uh, result at the Carrier Dome. Yeah. Georgetown had a – Pretty significant line on Arkansas State, and Arkansas State won that game. That would be up there as well, but the St. Mary's one, I think, is a bigger one. Yeah, but no, a, a huge a huge result there for, for Syracuse. It, it's going to have to have a, just a humongous January and February. Um, so, no, I'm, I'm glad we touched on that because it is a significant result, and we'll see where they go from here. But they could turn into an irrelevant team. I don't know. They just, they're not what anyone thought they'd be. Meantime, uh, North Carolina has received a third notice of allegations. I'll be honest. I haven't had – I've been so dealing with Grayson Allen. I haven't had a chance to pour through the notice of allegations. But um, among the bullet points, uh, men's basketball is referenced again. Uh, I believe football is, is referenced again. They had been taking at, taken out of the notice of allegations uh, when it arrived for a second time, and that was great news for Roy Williams and, and that Tar Heel basketball program because uh, they could accurately tell people we're not named in the report. Well, men's basketball is now named in the report. Do you have a sense for how big of a deal this is for North Carolina, and uh, are those national championships in jeopardy? That's the question that people are asking. This is a significant story. This is more important than Grayson Allen. This is certainly something that uh, further clogs the timeline on all of this because now Carolina will have 90 days to respond to this latest, by the way, third official notice of allegation. This is an unprecedented case in so many ways, GP, from the actual content of the case to the way the NCAA has handled it to UNC being on the hook, then off the hook, on the hook again. All I'll say is right now with where we sit, I don't foresee a situation where the men's basketball program is not punished in some sort of relatively significant way. Uh, my previous stance for longtime listeners of the podcast, I haven't forgotten. My previous stance was that they would lose a banner. I was That was before the second notice of allegations came and men's basketball was basically scrubbed clean of that. I can't fully go back and say that I think that's going to be the case. Um, you know, Carolina's AD had a conference call today basically saying this whole thing is a mess. I disagree with the protocol and the process. Um, The SEC commissioner is part of the oversight process here as well, which makes for an interesting wrinkle to say the least, Greg Sankey. Um, It's a big story. Now it's, but the thing is like, okay, in the here and the now, like this is significant. We have a notice of allegations with more details and the fact that men's basketball and yes, you said it, football are both specifically named in this one. I don't see a situation where they don't punish. You cannot – and we talked about this before, GP. The NCAA was facing – I remember when we talked about it when they had the, the amended notice where they were taken out. We were talking about the day that the punishments or lack thereof eventually came down and it was going to be an awful day for the NCAA. Well, maybe we were wrong because they just keep – dude, they, they keep moving the goalposts on this damn thing. And I, and I don't think we're going to have resolution to this in 2017 because now Carolina is going to have 90 days to, to respond to it. They're going to push this thing back even further – if it bleeds in 2018, I wouldn't be shocked. It, it's kind of reached a farce at this point in terms of how long this is taking. Dude, I remember just getting to CBS tw- in 2010 and then in 2011 starting to write about this. 
We're about to hit 2017, <laughs> and we're still going through it. It's ridiculous, but I'd rather they go down this path to correctly – uh, dole out punishments to set some sort of precedent with this kind of stuff because the fact of the matter is the bottom line parish is that you had athletes that in droves that were benefiting from phony classes and this was an openly kept secret and i know that non-athletes also benefited from it but it was so widespread for such a long time that the ncaa has to institute some sort of punishment here because if not then what do you even have a committee on infractions for so ultimately it's a good move but no one looks good in this. The NCAA, even in trying to retrace its steps and, and correct itself, it's still an imperfect system. And we'll see where we go from here and what Carolina can do for an official response. But, yeah, the, the thing is is getting ridiculous. I never understood why men's basketball would not have been in the notice of allegations, given how many men's basketball players over so many years had benefited from these courses. Um, so, like, I think it should be in there, and I'm. I guess I'm glad that it is. But you know, because you know, people who are smarter than I have described this as the biggest academic fraud case in NCAA history. So the idea that the program that benefited most from it wouldn't be named never made much sense to me. On the other hand, if I'm Carolina, I'm going. What What are you doing? Like you know, like make up your mind, but don't send us a second notice of allegation that says men's basketball isn't involved or isn't going to be held accountable. And then just change your mind for whatever reason you've changed your mind. So if I were Carolina, I'd be incredibly frustrated and pissed off. Uh, but big picture, uh, I think it's more right to have men's basketball in there uh, than wrong. Last thing before we get out of here, Kansas has lost, um, you know, uh, not Josh Jackson, but another big time uh, freshman for the season with a wrist injury. How big of a deal is this? So Yudoka Azubuki goes down, seven foot freshman, improving a player that Bill Self has said he thought was uh, very adept at picking up kind of the nuances of what he was asked to do and someone that I think was going to have an increased and enhanced role. I mean, he had earned starting uh, starting status recently, GP. Kansas doesn't have a deep front line. It's got a lot of talent. Frank Mason has been terrific. Player of the year candidate, Josh Jackson, been really good on the whole overall. Great pack court, good wings. Svi has been terrific. But now you're just relying on Carlton Bragg, who is now obviously eligible and is playing again. I mean, imagine if that situation hadn't gone the way that it did and, and Azubuki had uh, hurt his wrist. They'd really have just landed Lucas down low. So now you have Bragg and Lucas only on the interior. Um, self's good enough to, to figure this out. By the way, he was nominated for Hall of Fame induction. So he is now at least on the ballot in terms of being eligible will he get it this year i don't think so it's his first year of being nominated that how was could you not small. vote for how could somebody not i vote don't for I, i'm not disagreeing with you i'm just saying the way these things can go sometimes wouldn't shock me if he did not get in in his first year that, that would That's be all. insane i know gosh i know i'm just telling you this is how it goes sometimes well it's He's, dumb sometimes it shouldn't go that way i know so um keep an eye on kansas that's just that to me is a significant injury. It doesn't mean they they can't still be a Final Four team and won't still win the Big Twelve. Those things will probably both uh, have a good chance of happening. But you lose a a good. I mean, he's a as a boogie's a beast, just a huge human. And not having him will certainly have an impact on KU going forward. And let me put it in proper context. It's not quite like losing Devin Downey, but it still hurts. Shout, Shout out, out to Devin Downey. To yes. Devin Downey. Shout out to Tevin Devin Downey forever. Remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. That's the best way to get the latest episodes as quickly as possible. So please do that. 
Thank you all uh, so much for listening. If you're celebrating Christmas, have a Merry Christmas. If you're not celebrating Christmas, have a happy December 25th. Either way, we'll talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care.